Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Retro Time Podcast. Derek, it's great to be back with you mm. again. The single episodes are great, man. The the solo episodes, I guess, is what I should call them. But I miss having you. I miss I miss you, Derek. I miss you too, Jeremy. It's good to be back, man. It's good to be back. Um, we've got a special guest today, though, Derek. It's not just you and me. We've got our dear friend uh, of the show, Brittany Summit, one of our old colleagues from back in the day on. But before we jump into that, first off, thanks, you guys. Thanks, everybody out there for all the likes, all the tweets, all the LinkedIn support, all the stickers, all the stuff. We really appreciate all that. Thank you for the reviews. It means a lot to us. Uh, check us out at RetroTimePodcast.com. Get yourself a sticker, RetroTimePodcast.com slash sticker. You know the drill. One for you, one for your buddies. Tell your friends on Work Slack channel, all that stuff. We'd appreciate it now that that's out the way. So want to welcome one Mrs. Brittany Summit to the show, friend of the show. Uh, we worked with Brittany a long time ago down in New Orleans, and, uh, you know, COVID happened and all that stuff. We went our separate ways, but we loved working with Brittany so much. And we think we had such a badass team down there. We wanted to get Brittany on to talk about uh, talk about uh, our, our team, how, how she helped build the culture around our team and all that stuff. Uh, Brittany, uh, now though, she works as a, a digital product owner. Uh, she's a career changer coming from student affairs at colleges and universities, moving on into software. She has a diverse background in digital product management, including experience at Disney, which she loves very much. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Hilton, GE. She's passionate about people, culture, process work, uh, and she's down in Florida now with her husband and her two little two, two little utes. Brittany Summit, welcome to the show. We are so happy to get the get the gang back together. Yes, we got the band back together. Thank you for having me. So we are super stoked to have you. So one of the reasons, like I said, we really wanted to have you on is we had we think this is our personal opinion. Uh, perhaps it could be an objective our personal fact. truth. Uh, we had a badass team down in New Orleans. We did some really awesome work. Uh, and I personally feel like, Derek and I feel like, you were a driver of that. You had a lot to do with that. The things that you did, some of the some of the uh, events that you put together for team building and, and some stuff like that. And we feel very strongly that, you know, software engineer, the UX designer is not the only driving factor for great software. It's also the product team, the product management. But we want to talk about that today. How's that sound? Right so, Brittany, I got a question for you. Maybe to get get this whole whole fire going here. When you look at a team, if you just came into a team, how would you kind of assess the culture and know even where to start? Like, how do I help this team? Like, how would you know what to look at? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. It makes me think about looking at it holistically, then there's the micro moments and there's the macro moments. I would say in the first 30 days or so walking into a new team, you're going to pick up on those little things um, and the bigger things. And if you, ideally you would have been through like an interview process. So it really starts from, from day one, the job posting, what, how does the job posting read? Um, who reached out to me to interview? Um, what was that interaction like? Who's involved? Um, and then eventually you get lucky, you get the job. Um, what is my onboarding like? Is there an onboarding? Is there any documentation or structure? Mm. Do I have a buddy? Am I on an island by myself? Um, all of those things, you know, when I think about the macro versus micro, the macro stuff being the process, the documentation, the people that are involved, but then those micro interactions of like, I had an, inter an interview and we scheduled it and my person was, you know, 10 minutes late. What does that say about the team that I'm potentially coming into? Um, or maybe they were on time, but they weren't prepared and didn't have very um, engaging questions to ask me, or I didn't get a good vibe in the interview. So it starts from uh, before even day one, when you see your posting, how detailed is the posting? Is it one of those job postings that um, asks for everything under the sun? Or is there not a lot of detail and you really have no idea what this job is? The little things day to day and then the bigger systemic things um, are what you want to keep an eye out for. That was a, that was a, I'm, I'm, a hair's blown back, Jeremy. It's blown back. No, that was a great, that was a great uh, assessment because a lot of times people think of like one aspect of that when they when they're coming into a team to really think about things holistically. I think it's a great approach. It, let's say you come into a team and you know there's a, like 
Or what, maybe a, a better question would be, what are some of the more common things you notice or you've noticed on teams um, that maybe they need some help culturally with? Yeah, I think it kind of boils down to, I, I believe it's a Maya Angelou quote of, um, you know, people will forget what you did. They will forget what you said, but they will never forget how you made them feel. Um, so cut through the noise, cut through, you know, those process things, you know, we have documentation, we don't, how the interview went, how my onboarding goes, regardless of how that stuff is, whatever you did, whatever you said, how you're walking away feeling is what's going to matter the most. So as a people manager or as a teammate, when new folks are coming on board, um, just having that quote as like a, as like a North star or just a guiding principle for how you interact with your new team members knowing that they're so sensitive, especially in those first few days, um, that you want to make sure that they feel good and that they feel like they're included and part of the team. Mm, right on. One of the things that I, I really liked about your background, and um, it's it's interesting because my wife, Amy, she's product manager as well, and she has a background that's not software at all. Um, and I, I you, you had this sort of insight coming from outside of software, on how to manage people, right? And you know, Derek and I talk about this quite often that the, the software is technically very straightforward. I don't say easy anymore. Derek got mad at me one time, uh, but it's you know, you type in some code, you get the out whatever you typed in should should give you the right output. But the hard part is the people. So I, I get, talk a little bit about your background, not coming from software, and applying that to a software team where people. You know, might have different. I don't know. Maybe the skills. Maybe the skills are different, but maybe that doesn't matter. I don't know. Is is it just people are people, regardless of the the role, the job, the thing you're doing together? Um, I would say there's. It's not a yes and a no. Um, people are people, and a lot of that is transferable, which is why I feel really lucky to have had the opportunity to be a career changer. Um, but there are some distinctions in the software field that I can speak to that I that I really needed to learn. For example. Um, you know, just the typical personality, the stereotypical personality of a software developer, potentially <laughs> not not being a people person. They yeah. just want to code. Um, you know, I never really worked with anybody like that. And I hate to stereotype, um, but at least being aware of the stereotypes yeah. and knowing how to engage, you know, with those folks in a way that helps pull the best out of them and you want them to be engaged. Um, but yeah, I think back onto my previous experience outside of software a lot. I, I just feel really fortunate in my field to have had the opportunity to be a people manager really young. Um, I was in grad school. I have a master's degree in um, higher education. And so I was probably 21, maybe 22 when I managed people uh, first. And you know, I was in the residence halls and the dorms at the university managing a um, a team of resident advisors or resident assistants in the dorms. And that's, you know, about 20 people. And here I am, 21, 22. And it's like, here's your team of 20 people. And these are just, you know, young oh, wow. kids that kids that are like 18 or 19. But, you know, even though I'm young, they're young, they still need direction. They still need one-on-one um, -on -one support. They still need team building. They still need um, process and structure. They still want to have fun. All of the people management stuff that matters in building strong teams. It didn't matter that I was young or they were young or um, I was early in my career. To me, the standards and the expectations for creating a really positive experience for them was my top job that like as a people manager, I, you know, there's a lot of noise. You want to cut through it. There's a lot of things that were on, you know, that were on my plate that I was expected to do, but always the people stuff rose to the top for me. Yeah. And the way that that, you know, when I think about software and like the transferable skills, so managing folks and getting the opportunity to do that early, um, not everybody gets that. Right. And I think I want to make the point that you don't have to be a people manager to influence your team culture. Okay. Some folks don't want to ever manage people. That's like a specific job and like a specific skill set that some people will run towards or run away from. Right. Uh, you either want to do it or you don't. I, I would, you know, it's a choice. Sometimes you get 
thrown into it, not knowing what to expect, or you know exactly what you're walking into. But I would say that it's usually a choice. I want to take this, this promotion. I want to have this opportunity to manage people. And if you find yourself in that position, taking it as seriously as you can and doing the work that it takes, the self-management work that it takes to be aware of your role and you know the expectations that you have to be able to create a good culture for your team. So, you know, this is obviously not a product management podcast. So most of our listeners are probably Nerd. software oh, sorry. engineers. Derek said it, not me, nerds. Um, you know, they uh, <laughs> maybe designers, things like that. I'm curious, people, any of those types of folks who may have be like really great designers, really great engineers, um, you know, we've seen this a lot. Being really great at one thing doesn't make you great at that next thing. What are some some things that maybe you've learned since you also you came from another career into software? Some maybe things that you've learned um, that you you could give those designers, developers tips if they did be move into a, a product management role or a more senior role. Yeah, for folks who are just starting out in that journey and considering um, being in a role that's more people focused or maybe even being a people manager. Um, I think it really starts with the, like I said, the self-management and the self-work. You can't ask, you know, of your team or give them standards that you like wouldn't be willing to do for yourself. So things like, um, you know, reading certain books, uh, Brene Brown is a specific author. She um, is a qualitative researcher. She calls herself a researcher storyteller that if you're looking to do the work for yourself to lay a good foundation for your team, I would highly recommend her books. Um, she also has podcasts and the whole array of however you choose to learn, she's got it. Um, but her content is um, fantastic. So I think that when you think about accelerating yourself to be able to best serve your team, um, starting with yourself and a resource like Brene Brown is would be really good. Okay, cool. So one of the other things that, that I, I, I want to move into, maybe change the subject a little bit, but this idea of, of team building, culture building, I think one of the reasons our team back in New Orleans was so effective wasn't because we had you know, the best designers or the best developers, although they were really good. It was because we, we worked really well together. Right. And, you know, I think is, is it like Google or something that like they did some research on the highly effective teams and it wasn't the people with the most talented teammates. It was the, it was the teams with that, that got along the best. And I don't know if you're familiar with that study. I should have I should have looked it up before I started talking about it. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it exists. It, it does. Exists. I'm somewhere. somewhere. Yeah. This, um, it's the one that ended with psychological safety. I remember we yes. had a banner. Right. You remember that uh, our uh, distinguished leader had put up on the wall. Dare not speak his name. Sometimes he Watch appears out. in the in the window um, when I say his name two, <laughs> three times. In New Orleans. Yeah, I don't, I don't say um, his name. But I, I think you had a, a huge part in that. Maybe maybe speak a little bit to maybe the problems that you saw and why yeah. it led you to helping build that you know the team values and culture and specifically for yeah that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I remember that that banner that poster pretty big like a three by three foot by five foot psychological safety it was right by your it. desk too yeah. yeah it was it happened to be right by me which I, yeah. is kind of a funny happenstance but um you know when you think about coming i was new to the team you think about coming in and someone intentionally i know who but someone intentionally put that sign up and to me seeing that it's like oh this isn't this is an intentional choice someone didn't have to put this sign up about psychological safety and in my brain, I'm thinking, let's see if we, if anyone ever brings this up to me, is this just a sign that is on the wall or are we going to talk about this? Is this going to be embedded into our processes? And sure enough, it was, it was something that, you know, it, it mattered to the leadership on our team. So we discussed it in team meetings. We discussed it in one-on-ones. Um, it really laid a good foundation for, um, having candid, transparent conversations, because it wasn't just a sign on the wall. We lived it, which kind of leads me into, you know, the big activity that we did together as a team and the big opportunity that I saw was a chance for us to create our team values, like our principle as a, principles as a team. What do we believe in? And for, you know, for those listening, if you want to do something like this, I'll just 
give a caveat that, um, you know, kind of to Derek's point that it takes a lot of effort and time to do these things right. And so I can kind of lay out like a framework that would help someone get started on, on what it takes to do an activity like this, but to not underestimate the amount of effort and time and intention it takes. Because when you get all those people into a room to define your values, that's a very expensive meeting for the business. It's very risky for the meeting to take everyone out of pocket for a day to, um, you know, let's define our values so that the agenda has to be tight, the, you know, the expectations of the day, what we hope to get out of it. Um, everyone needs to, you know, in, you have to have your resources available, your technology, all of the logistical stuff to make the day run well from um, like a planning perspective. So that way it's worth everyone's time. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I saw the psychological safety poster, I, you know, I felt like we had an opportunity to expand on that and customize it for ourselves, right? Because okay. that came from Google and it was a good, a good start, but we were such a unique team and we were about to absorb global teams. And that was the real kicker was, okay, we're operating really well. We're about to have teams across the world. How are they going to take our culture? How are we going to translate that, explain it, include them, engage them, and not have it um, come across as this is who we are. We want you to to you know adhere to our standards in this way, like include them in it and have it mm -hmm. be a fun thing for them too. So that's exactly what we did. We had um okay. you know as many people as we could involved on this session. I think it was a two day or even a, at nice. least a full day. I think it was at least a full day. We had multi levels of leadership there. Um, we had people from across the world on our call, um, you know, send out the agendas in advance. We had large group sessions, breakout sessions, all in the spirit of getting to the core of who we are as a team and who, who we want to be and how we work together. Um, and I think that that really, something like that, it's not, it's not a small ask. You have to, you know, it took a while to even get leadership to be like, yes, it's worth our time to do this. Um, but the the benefits of it and the return on investment of that, I, we found it to be really great because we, at that point, we could just publicize. I think we had banners around of like, this oh, is did. who we are. These are what we believe, or we intended to. <laughs> we intended to. I don't know if they actually got printed, but uh, we um, finally did. Yeah, I actually have yeah, them in my yeah. basement. They're in my basement. <laughs> right now. Yeah. That's awesome. I took them with me when we moved. They exist. Oh, they exist. Um, but no, we had it in all of our documentation. So that way, you know, we could have even put it in a job posting if we wanted to like, yeah. so that way from day one, all the way through. So I have a framework, um, of what might help folks, you know, be able to replicate something like that if they wanted to. Um, but no matter how that gets done, whether it's a session like that, or whether it's just a one-on-one -on -one conversation, I think the spirit of it is let's talk about it and let's be open and transparent and candid um, and let people contribute to that conversation. Now, I'll back up a minute, and I want to think about the the impetus for this whole thing to begin with. Um, and you know, people listening might be saying, "Oh, that's cool. They they did this, and it worked. It seemed to work well for them." What were some of the things that to look out for if you're on another team out there listening, and that might tell you, "I think my team needs this." Yeah, for us, it was the turning point of we are about to absorb other teams, not just other teams locally, global teams. So there's mm -hmm. time zone differences, there's language barriers, there's cult, like actual like national cultural differences. Um, so that was what really drove it for us because we were kind of operating at a level that, um, you know, without that, I don't know if it would have driven us to actually have that session for ourselves because we were a high performing team at that point. Not that we wouldn't have benefited from it. We would have. Mm -hmm. um, but, but for us, that's what really made the decision to do that. Okay. Now, cause I could see a scenario where a small team, maybe a startup, five people, 10 people, they start mm -hmm. to grow. Right. Right. They add a few more pods in that culture that they have and that really small core team they'd want to keep. And maybe that could be a scenario, right? Even if you're expanding inside of your, uh, inside of your your home city, perhaps you know you're doubling in size, tripling in size. A startup going from a small team to a large. Maybe there's an opportunity there to sort of uh, identify what that core culture is, so that it could influence new hires, maybe or things like that. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, it makes me think about just being scalable and reusable. Um, uh -huh. Yeah, a small team, 
eventually you're going to expand and making sure that things are um, translatable in a way that makes sense to others. Just the same way that we do with software and we have our set of standards and best practices, that stuff can be documented for culture and people work as well. Um, not only for scaling culture at size, but also outsiders looking in. I know that happened to us a lot too from, you know, once we had our, our values and people saw that we were high performing, not only from a culture perspective and a team happiness perspective, but even a metrics perspective. Mm -hmm. And then people come knocking and they're like, how did you do that? Like, how is your team so high performing? You can give it to them and say, yeah. here, these are our values. This is what we did to get here. Um, it's reusable in that way as teams see, you know, the good progress that you're making. Yeah. Aside from the awesome UX leader, we also have these values that we think are helpful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, the bearded, now, the bearded king, we call him. I'm, I'm trying to remember because this was so long ago now. We, we, we expanded globally twice. <laughs> we had the Hungary team for a little while for uh -huh. two years or so, and then it contracted and then we got Poland. A re-expansion. A re-expansion. <laughs> um, lost Hungary, got Poland. Did we do this in between Hungary Poland. and Poland? Okay, Poland, so this is where uh, I'm going Going with this question. We expanded, and I can't remember if you were on the team at that point when we went to Hungary. Yes, I did, and you guys, user management was what I uh, discovered okay. and ide ideated on. Got mm -hmm. it. Okay, because I'm trying okay. to think back and just like thinking through the transition to Hungary was all new that for was us. Missed. That, was, that was a missed yeah. opportunity, I would <laughs> right, say. Right, right. <laughs> a little bit um, of a missed opportunity. Because yeah. I was new. I had just started. Like, I, you guys went to Hungary that first time to and user management. Yeah. I think, actually, the agenda was different. But it, it turned into we're going to build user management is kind of mm. how I remember it. And we had not um, right. really considered culture um, as much. And I think yeah. that's a really good use case of, of getting to your point of, like, we could have done better there yeah. and we did do better when Poland. Yeah. And that's, that's where I'm going with this. Cause you know, we, we did have two really smart teams. I mean, the people in Hungary were brilliant, right? They really um, were very, very smart, very opinionated. They had a lot of ideas. My favorite people I've ever worked with were Seriously, that team. Man. Oh yeah. So I got my Hungarian phrase book here. Remind <laughs> me to, to practice Hungarian. Um, oh, kind of look like you rule. Violent, we missed um, you. Yeah, there you go. Uh, edge. Uh, not edge. What did you say? Uh, what was the cheer? Shit, I just said one. I don't. I was trying to do the cheer. <laughs> we'll Egg edit in. We'll edit in. That's it. Egg That's it. Yeah. Egg edge. Egg. Yeah. That's it. Egg. Egg means cheers. Edge means one. So it's very confusing. All right. Yeah, um, all right. So anyway, um, that those two teams, we didn't really clearly identify that. And when we got together, there was a lot of headbutting just between two really smart teams that had really different opinions on how to build software, and. Um, when we went to Poland, also really smart people over in Poland, but mm -hmm. we didn't have that he constant headbutting, um, probably because of this. I would I would say right. I don't know how you guys felt, but um, you know we we tended to just sort of this is how we're doing it and this is how we're do doing things and this is our culture blah blah blah. And they assimilated I think into the team. Um, I think a lot better than than when we we tried to just sort of say go to Poland say this is how we're doing it so deal with it you know <laughs> or Hungary sorry uh, we went mm -hmm. to Hungary and said this is this is what we're doing just you know do what we're doing yeah to simplify that I would say with the with the Hungary expansion we started with process we led with process and with the Poland expansion we led with people people first oh that's a really brilliant brilliant insight you know brilliant insight I wanted to uh, give a little memory from that uh, value session that you gave. So uh, it was it was probably the most organized session that I've it's still to this day I've been into <laughs> been in definitely in GE potentially in my career. I show up. I'm going to do a reenactment for you. I show up. What's on my desk? But a printout, a little <laughs> handout. And I'm looking at the handout in my head. You know what I thought? Dang, this going to be good. This going to be good. That's what I thought in my head cuz like I mean, so much thought went into this. That is a meta thing that I don't think that we talked about enough in that someone put this much effort into caring about our team. That spreads, mm -hmm. that feeling spreads around just the activity of putting that much effort and, and, and focus into that. Um, so anyway, it's still I still think about it to this day. The feeling I had coming into that and how structured it was and how comfortable we all felt, how safe we felt in that room. Um, it's a pretty pretty cool thing. Do you want to know what I was thinking, Derek? What was that? I was like, oh, somebody somebody put this much effort into it. 
that must mean the company's buying us lunch today. <laughs> he loved he loved his free lunches back in the day. I think we did have one. I think it was Felipe's. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I don't yep. know. It was the, uh, but, it was the cream uh, no, of the crop. I, what you just said, first of all, thank you. That is just like the nicest compliment. Um, that is a, um, that is a testament to just my background in higher education program management stuff that I had done. And it just, I, a lot of trial and error in my career that led to knowing what it takes to, um, set up a good experience for folks. So I'm happy that you remember it that way. But also what I heard you say just now is I remember how I felt. I remember mm-hmm. how I felt. And so you may not remember the agenda. You may not even remember our values, but you remember how you felt. And that is the goal. Every time I'm creating an experience, um, you know, the content needs to be there, but um, how people feel when they walk away. Yeah, I remember one of them. It was um, always laugh at Brian's jokes, uh, <laughs> even when they're not funny. Brian, they were always funny. They were always um, funny. They were always funny. <laughs> But um, I will I will say I, we I have them right here. Uh, we welcome diverse people and ideas. We build the right software the right way. We exceed expectations. We rise to any challenge. We are all leaders. We're all leaders, not just the leaders. Good. That was so good. Yeah, man. And we defined yeah. them right. That the, a yeah. lot of those could yeah. be left open for interpretation. So it was really important that we had a blurb underneath each, right? I mean, of course, you want like a elevator pitch one, but the the blurb is okay. That's what it is, but like how how do we do that, um, and why are we doing it? There was a little blurb under each that I think gave it Absolutely. some some good. And you stuff. mentioned the banners, though. I think this is another thing too, like creating this thing, having this meeting, putting it in a word doc, shoving it on you know, box or drive or something, never looking at it again would have made all of this a complete waste of time. Um, and what we did was we made these big giant three by five vinyl banners and we put them up. It, uh, Derek, I talked about this on one of our episodes. It took me about six months to find someone to pay to print them, <laughs> but I did it because I yep. felt like this was that important. If you remember going back, whatever, I can remember what episode that was probably like one of the first. Um, I talked about how important this was and how I remember yeah. I even said like when I tried to convince people to get these things printed, I didn't start with I need some print. I said my team is building these values. We think it's really important for team culture and it's going to help us be a more effective team. So by the way, I need to get some stuff printed. Right? right. And I got these things printed and we put them up on the wall and it was there where we were sitting when back when everyone was in an office. Do you remember that? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, now with COVID, with all this remote, I don't know how you get this in front of people to see it constantly, which is kind of an Holograms. interesting thing. I don't know if maybe you have ideas, Brittany. It'd be interesting to see. What yeah, you we actually had it's this is a great point. I, I didn't even really remember this part of the process, but it's not just the pre work that goes into planning the sessions. It's the post work, which is exactly what you're talking about, mm. because you don't want to just throw the values on the Internet and they just sit there and no one ever goes to them again. So we had visuals. Um, we, um, we included them in sprint planning agendas. We pulled them up. If not every sprint planning, then at bigger release plannings, these are our values. Let's remind folks of the direction that we're headed in and why we do what we do, how we do what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, we had our smarty awards. Do you guys remember our smarty oh, awards? Yeah. <laughs> they, was it little so, tassels? Yes. Yeah. I had yeah. little, little graduation, graduation tassels that were, um, like the color of our product and, they had the year on them, obviously, like a graduation tassel does. But the point of that was at any point, if you saw someone behaving in a way that made, um, you know, made you proud of our values, you could just tell me, I think I had a little form. And then mm-hmm. every month or so, I'd be like, so-and-so got a Smarty Award. And we would explain that at a staff meeting and they would get their little tassel. Um, trying to think, the interview process, we had them printed out and put them, you know, in front of the folks that we were interviewing. Uh, what do you like totally about this? About what that. do you not yes. like about this? Yeah, it was a multi-pronged strategic approach to keep those values alive. Otherwise, they they might have just died, right? Like mm-hmm. after that that session. So um, that post work and who's going to identify those different things that you guys are going to do and help drive it because it wasn't just me too, right? Like you guys helped with that stuff. So yeah, okay, so we talked about the values. I think the values are critical for any team that wants to expand and keep that culture consistent. But there's more to it than that. There's this whole team dynamic, the team culture. Talk a little bit about that. How do you build a really effective, or not effective, effective is the wrong word. What's the right word? Strong. Strong good. culture? What do you say? How do you, how do you build I said like good. A, I was trying. Good. I tried Just my hardest. Real, how do you build a, a real good culture? <laughs> 
Yeah, I was, you know, in preparation for this, I was trying to think if I was a listener, what would I want to hear? You know, when I listen to podcasts, I want to hear all the meta stuff and all in theory, but I also want a piece of like in practice, how do I actually go and do this? So I kind of broke down a basic framework for incorporating people work and culture work into um, software development. And I broke it down into like five different areas. And then there's a sixth area that I think could help potentially be an accelerator for any of those five things. So I'll quickly run through all of them and maybe we can touch base on any of them or dig deeper into any that you guys wanna um, talk more about, but it's just very simple, broken down into like what, who, how, uh, where, and why. So for the what, I would say, if you wanna build strong culture, no matter what company you go to, division of responsibilities is like hot button topic. People want to know, what am I doing? What are you doing? And it needs to be a conversation and it needs to be documented. Otherwise, it's just going to be noise that is going to get in the way of production because someone's always going to be raising their hand and being like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what this person is supposed to do. So as a people manager or someone who wants to help uh, lead culture, when you go into a team, take inventory of their division of responsibilities. Do they have that at all? Do they have it documented? Do people generally know what they're doing or do people genuinely have a lot of questions about who does what? Um, So that's the what piece. Who kind of goes back to the team values, um, exactly what we just said. Who are we? What do we believe in? Everything from um, onboarding and hiring all the way through trade-off decisions for the software product. Who are we and what do we believe in? Um, The next one for how, operational expectations, Um, how do we work together as a team, Um, everything from onboarding checklists to a buddy system to what are our team meetings, obviously are we doing scrum, like those basic things, but they seem basic, but they're not, they're not um, easy to get right, right? Mm -hmm. They take a lot of effort sometimes. And the how, I would say too, if you can bring awareness to these cycles of a team, the, the forming, the storming, the norming, the performing. Um, I know that's, a, I don't even know the name of that, of that framework, but I think of it a lot when we're coming into um, a team, like what stage are we in? Is this team forming? Are they high performing already? Is it like a storm right now? And as, if we can like put a name to that, it really helps alleviate the pressure because people are feeling it, right? That's right. happening. And that's a framework out there for a reason but bring awareness to it and articulate it and have, call it by name. And everyone will be like, oh, we're just like in the storming phase and we have to get through it. And this yeah. is- And it makes it acceptable to be- Yeah, yes. that's a good point. Storming, right? Like it, it's so, oh, this is normal, a normal process. So we're, mm-hmm. we'll get there. It's just, you know, this is just- It's the, the puberty phase. of a team. Yeah. The, pre, the pre-puberty sometimes. I made that up just Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you sometimes, get to the mature- to the mature Yeah, yeah I'm still stuck it's in okay. puberty. Don't pop it. Just don't pop the pimple there. <laughs> Um, yeah, so exactly bringing awareness, it makes it okay. It makes everybody be like, it's all right that we're in this phase and, and we have direction. We know where we're headed. We're headed to a high performing team and we'll get there. Um, the last two for where, you know, where people are going to ask themselves, where are we going? Where are we going as a product? Where am I going in my personal career trajectory? Um, uh, people are going to need some sort of direction, not only around the day to day, like what's, what am I accomplishing today for this sprint, but the bigger picture. Um, and we would do things tactical. We would like, again, going back to like the visuals, posting our, your mini briefs, um, Jeremy, that was a bigger, you know, it it was tactical, but it was also a bigger picture type thing. This is what all of this, all of this work is going to deliver. Um, so getting some visuals to give this the listeners out there probably have no idea what the mini brief is, no. but this was you know I, I came from advertising where we you know we would do design briefs and things like that, and it sets out the problem and what would make this thing that you're about to go and solve successful. How what would be what's define success before you just show a random design, um, and so um, we, we created these things called the mini brief and included a bunch of stuff on it. It was the the, um, at the very high level, the the product goals, right? We're, we're here to do this and we're here to do that and we're here to do this. Um, and then it had the design principles, which for us were, you know, keep it simple because it was a very complex uh, processes for shop floor management. So very confusing potentially. So keep keep the interface simple. They got a lot of stuff to worry about. Keep the interface simple. You know, mobile first because people were walking around, things like that. So those were our design principles. Then we had the specific feature that we were working on 
and the goals for that. And the idea was these goals for this feature that we're building should tie back to the product goals. If, we're, if they don't tie to the product goals, what's the point of building this thing? And then we had the personas, you know, this is an engineer or an operator, whoever, um, and some pain points that they had. So like this is pain points related to these things we're trying to solve. So that when we go back and do a design critique with the product team or the functional team or the stakeholders, product owners, whatever you want to call them, whatever your team calls them, you could go back and say, look, this design meets these criteria and it solves for this and it is simple and it is mobile friendly and it solves these pain points so that you don't get into a scenario where, you know, I just don't like blue. Why is this blue? And then you start talking about blue instead of what the really, you know, what the real problem was, right? So that's what a mini brief was. And all those things, again, tied back to those values. And we, you know, we looked at those mini briefs, we printed them out, they were on the wall, we did for whatever feature we were working on during stand-up so people could see them. And we reviewed them, they were linked in the stories, we reviewed them during sprint planning, and like you said, release planning and things like that. Um, and, you know, it wasn't something the UX team did. We we worked with the product team to make sure these things were correct, and, and it was just a huge team effort all around, which I think also was the reason why we were so successful. <laughs> we all worked mm-hmm. really well together, regardless of our role. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I love the mini briefs as an example of giving the team direction and kind of putting it all in one, a one-pager. Um, and again, the, the effort and the intent there, people see that and they like, oh, they like buy in, right? They, mm-hmm. oh, people are putting effort. Um, and then just quickly, you know, the why. Um, it's funny because I listed the why last, but I put oh, yeah. start here. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think it's last on my list because it's the hardest. I think it's the hardest. Um, you always want to start with the why. Um, why are we doing what we're doing? Why did we make this decision versus that decision? Um, why do we even exist at all? What is our historical context for this product? The, his, the historical context and the why is, um, I think, harder to translate into a one pager. Sometimes there's a lot of there's a lot of history there. Sometimes, but that I think the best um, vehicle for that sometimes is just talking, like making sure that when you're hearing folks and they're asking about why are we doing this user story, bring it back to the why. Make sure if you don't know the why, ask your leaders the why. Um, it's a lot more conversational that, that tenant, I would say. That, that one too, that why that, that to me is like, just like, it's so important. Simon Sinek, anybody knows who's familiar with him, big, you know, business coach, all about why books about why he's even got a book that helps you figure out your why. So if you, uh, if you don't, uh, actually I think I have it. No, I got it right here. Start with why. Look at that. Start with why. Yeah. Uh, it's very shiny. Um, anyway, start with why, you know, those kinds of things, um, I think are really helpful. This also reminds, this is a quote. I love this quote. This quote is something I talk about. I think I've mentioned this on like 15 different episodes, Derek, but it's that <laughs> Antoine de Saint, Antoine, uh, what God, what's his name? Antoine de Saint Exupery um, about building a boat. Like if you want to build a boat, mm. you don't go and find a bunch of people to just gather wood, bark orders, whatever. You teach them to, to long for the sea. You Chill. teach them to long for the vast and endless sea. Oh. It's just like it's so like a brilliant quote. I know, just, yeah, I great? mean, like make them long for whatever it is that you want them to do. Inspire them, and you don't have to bark orders and all this other, all these other things just fall into place. You know, mm-hmm. assuming and they'll you, say, "Man, we need a boat," and they will build you the best boat you've <laughs> right. ever seen. Now, what kind of boat? Who knows? <laughs> Banana boat. All you said you wanted a boat. All right, this boat. Yeah. It's a boat. It's it doesn't sink. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You didn't say you wanted a, you know, a yacht. Yeah. <laughs> I got you this rowboat. Two man canoe. There's fifty of us. Yeah, we anyway. need three. Brittany's here with us today. So I love um, that. Anyway. Yeah, I no, that's so good. And just to kind of wrap up, like you have the what, the who, the how, the where, and starting with the why. As I was going through that, I kind of identified some accelerators in my head that applied to any of those phases that you were in. Um, and just simply put, it's just fun. Anywhere you can layer in fun. For the people, yeah. whether it's going to lunch, whether it's having, we've done a lot of things. We've done our our dip days, our oh, everybody potlucks. retro time um, listeners. They all know about dip all, day. They all, all know about. They dip all know day. about Derek and his dips. Um and Derek even do you, did they know? Have we even talked about like Derek's PowerPoint? Like it, oh, I don't know Tuesday. that we've ever talked. <laughs> that technically is probably like I, uh, intellectual property of the. What if that was a company, bonus? Right? Episode. You don't know that. We got to do that as a bonus episode. Just yeah. dip day. Um, yeah. We did axe throwing. We did Dave and Buster. Speaking I mean, of axe throwing, Brittany, I live yeah. like five blocks from that place now. Did you know that? 
I thought maybe you did because it was on that side of the river, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, I live, I live yeah. My, my first apartment when we moved over here, we rented an Airbnb for a couple months and I was like on that block with the axe swing place. Small that's world, it. small world. Yeah, and you just, who would have known? Who would have known? Yeah, but the fun mm-hmm. stuff, you know, that's the thing. It's like it, all of this stuff doesn't have to be miserable and, and like pound you over the head with it because, you know, if you make it fun, the team builds its own culture, and as a manager, you don't even have to do anything almost, you know yeah. what I mean? Like maybe guide them in the right way. But, you know, nobody told Derek to do dip day presentations. He just did it. I mean, it was <laughs> it was just like part of, you know, Brian's dad jokes. Inspired. Like these things are just part of our culture. And we just all enjoyed getting up every day, going to work and solving really hard problems because we just loved it so much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I know. I miss it, too. And it's um, I would say it's or those are the organic moments right i would say that it would be a miss for a people manager or someone who cares about culture and wants to build culture to think that oh culture is just going to be built organically not true that's true some some aspects will happen organically if you create the foundation for these macro moments like we're going to go do here's some here's a budget here's five hundred dollars to go do some fun things i don't care what you guys plan but you created the 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 foundation for it and organically those things come up. And I would say to, to not, I've learned the lesson and been burned on like, oh, we did AMA at our team meetings at GE. That's a really easy one. Everyone knows what ask me anything is. I'm going to my new team, but I'm going to say they don't have anything. Let's do AMA. And it did not stick. And everyone, it was painful. Yeah, like yeah. it was painful. They hated it. <laughs> and so like, okay, so I'm never going to try dip day anywhere else that like died. <laughs> You can't transfer those organic. Most often than not, you cannot expect to transfer That's the organic uh, inside joke, if you will, type things yeah, yeah. to other teams. Um, but the principles of it and setting the foundation, all that's transferable. But there might be something else, right? Maybe it's not dip day. But yes. Maybe it's, yes. I don't know. Knitting day or so. I don't know. People yeah. like to knit. I don't know. Who knows? Whatever it is. Um, day. Um, knit day. Knit day. You know what's funny, day, too? The, what you mentioned about inorganic. Um, it's inorganic, maybe. Uh, I'll say explicit. Uh, like um, cultural activities that are focused around the team and building culture. I feel like our leader we had in the office was good about taking that feedback and taking action on it, also giving people the uh, freedom to do what they needed to do, to schedule the thing, take everybody out. Here's the money for this. Let's go do this. Let's take people to do this. Like we, I feel like we were doing stuff all the time, um, yeah. including everyone when that we could when we did it and uh, pe- celebrating and it's funny too, cause you, you know, I've been watching the office recently. So uh, um, getting a lot of new team ideas, um, yeah. <laughs> not from the first season, uh, very racist, very racist first season. Um, but the, uh, <laughs> but as, as it goes on, you know, like the care that you have for the people around you, that care will bring about some of those explicit things. And I just, um, it takes time though, to build that. I think, you know, I think that's when it's why some of those, if, uh, explicit activities are needed in order to get get the ability to build some of those organic organic things you know yeah no totally um and you know layering in the fun it doesn't have to have a a big budget we did the coffee talks virtual that adds a lot of you know personal touch to it if you know budget is very great and helpful if your managers can First of all, you have to ask, right? There might be money. And so don't be afraid to ask for that stuff if you if you mm-hmm. want it. But remember, um, if you're asking for money, don't ask. Don't start with the ask. Start, start with, with the, the why. why. <laughs> and then ask. Why. And then get your money. Totally. And it's, funny, I'm, it's funny you say that because when we talked about the value session, we did spend a lot of time on the why and the return. Before we went to the bot, to the leader mm-hmm. above that of asking for that time and, that, mm-hmm. and the funding, right? We have to start with the why. Um, and then one other accelerator that I identified that I think you guys are going to relate to a lot, which is um, like on-site visits, Jeremy, like I mm-hmm. think about all the time when I went to Texas with you um, and how I should have done that within my first 60 days on the product because it accelerates oh, yeah. your appreciation for the product and your investment yeah. in the product and, and all of that. So anytime you could get an on-site visit, if that's a thing in your world, um, I would, you know, recommend. Yeah, you that. know, that's t- this is something I, I, you know, I've been very much opposed to from the beginning of my career as UX, which is UX handles the research, 
Nobody else gets to do it. It's a UX job to create personas and create empathy maps and blah, blah, blah. Bullshit. Like, that's everybody's job on the team is to understand who the users are, why they're even using your tool, and it's everybody's responsibility to go out and witness this firsthand via ethnographic research like you're talking about, right? Um, and, yeah, I mean, that's something to me that um, when I see UX researchers just say, like, no, we're just the UX research team's going to go and we'll synthesize the data and we'll give you a report. Yeah. Bullshit. Like, that's so – it drives me crazy. Anyway, I'm so glad you said that because I feel like that's something everybody should – I think the developers should go. Hugely important. Um, I think everybody wants to see the users using this stuff firsthand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And it, I don't, you know, it's sometimes it's not always practical to get everyone to go wherever sure, they yeah. need to go, yeah, but expensive. it needs to be, pri- yeah, it just, it needs to be prioritized as much as they can physically sending folks and then um, remotely where, you know, where budget doesn't permit. Um, Cause again, it, to use that word accelerator again, I think it just accelerates the culture faster than if you didn't have that for sure. Absolutely. <clears throat> All right. So Derek, you got anything else before we hop into this or that? I got some good Disney this or that's. Kick it off, Jeremy. Sitting. All right. (laughs) Britney Summit, this or that. All right. So you've listened to the show before. I know because you wrote a five-star review. Thank you very much. Every episode we have a guest. We do this or that. Set a timer for two minutes. We ask you a bunch of random questions. Real quick, off the top of your head. Don't think. It's just a way for our, our, our listeners to get to know our guests a little bit better. Um, hopefully you answer the right ones the right way. That's really important. Derek and I are going to judge right. you. Are you ready? All right. I, we're going to start I, off. Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy <laughs> keep an eye out. Simple. Keep an eye out. I'm going to send you a few, okay? Oh, okay. Oh, it's Slack. Right. I, yeah. get Slack custom, I get customized this or that. Yep, yeah, you do. De- this is because Derek and I have been like busy it. with meetings all week and we haven't <laughs> actually prepared. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is, this is It seems like it's planned, but it's not. Don't While you're doing that, I will us. say that this okay. is, I have a lot of anxiety around this because of my personality. I Uh-oh. feel like it's very challenging for me to, do you, to pick one. So I you, may give some explanations. Do you it's not want to do fun. this? I don't want to put No, you I do. No, I, I do you want to do it. Okay. All right. But, I, but I'm going to feel the urge to, to explain. All right. Well, then we'll set a timer for four minutes. All right. Are you ready, Brittany? This or that? All right. We're going to start off uh, easy and then we'll get we'll get into the, the Disney ones where Walt's really going to judge you. If Derek won't judge you, it's, it's going to be Walt. All right. Um, dog or cat? Dog. All right. Netflix or Disney Plus? Disney Plus. Just, I knew that one. That was an easy one. <laughs> All right. Uh, phone call or text message? Phone. All right. Do you like your ice cream in a cup or in an upside down Disney ear bowl? Mickey ear bowl. Ooh, I pre- neither. I prefer Mickey ear bar. Mickey ear bar. I figured, you know, I should have asked that one. Um, all right. Uh, Mac or PC? Um, you know, either. All right. Uh, pizza or tacos? Tacos. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, beer or wine? Wine. Beer or wine. Okay. Uh, super sandwich. Soup. I actually just made a big pot of soup, so I'm into soup these days. Soup. I like soup. Oh, we could do half and half. You could do a little half soup, mm-hmm. half, half sandwich. sandwich. Yeah, there you yep. go. If you can't decide. You pick like, All right. Panera. You pick two. Derek is sending me some. All right, so we've got some uh, Disney-related this or that questions. Tomorrowland or Epcot? Oh, Tomorrowland is like my biggest nostalgia because when you walk into D- the Magic Kingdom, you go down Main Street, you go left or right. The Historically... Or like the the myth is, is that most people go left. And so my whole lot, like tourists, like that don't go to Disney often go left and go clockwise. So I always go right to like maybe try to avoid the crowd and right is Tomorrowland. So to me, it's like the first thing. And I just love hanging out in Tomorrowland. All right. Buzz Lightyear or Woody? Woody, all the way. All right. Derek just saved me, uh, uh, sent me a good one. I'm saving that one for last, Derek. All right. Uh, here's a few more Disney ones. All right. Uh, would you want to wear Cinderella's dress or Elsa's dress? Elsa. A All right. bit more freeing. Who would you Free. rather as a babysitter? Mary Poppins or Bagheera? Ooh, Mary Poppins. She puts the magic in. And I don't know if you guys have seen the most the remake, but it's really good. I have not. I have not seen the remake. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. Lady in the Tramp? Or oh, what was the ones from? I'm just trying to think of these off the top of my head. Uh, oh, uh, Lady and the Tramp or Timon and Pumbaa? Lady and the Tramp. 
Oh, really? Okay. I watched that a lot as a kid. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, we've got one more. This is completely unrelated to uh, to Disney, but I got to ask this one because it's important, and we ask everyone: Star Trek or Star Wars? Not completely unrelated to Disney. It is right because they own Star Wars. Now. Star Wars oh, okay. all the way, and I know Disney that some folks aren't, you know, huge fans of the Star of Disney, but Star Wars Land is pretty cool. Uh, you know, um, I haven't been. Uh, is it is it pretty neat? It's amazing. The, uh, is the, it... oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say the technology in the Rise of the Resistance ride is um, they just use all the new technology into like one ride. It's a very cool, unique, immersive experience. So. All right. I love it. All right. Just a couple more. Splash Mountain or Tower of Terror? Ooh, Tower of Terror. All right. All right. Oh, unexpected. Last one. Don't mess this one up. <laughs> all right. Hall of Presidents before Trump or after Trump? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> um, let's say after, because now it has Biden. They just reopened. It was closed for a while. And now the current president is in there. Oh, Biden's so, in there. Okay. So you yeah. saved the day. Okay. All right. President Biden saved the day. Okay. <laughs> saved the day. <laughs> all right. That's it. That's all we got. Um, that's probably going to piss off a lot of people, but you know what? I don't care. Derek. Um, <laughs> all right. So, uh, so that's it. Brittany, before we hop off, you got anything you want to promote? Anything you want to, um, plug oh no i don't have plugs but just want to say thank you guys so much um you know if i could leave the listeners with a takeaway it would just be that um first of all if you care enough to get this far in the podcast that you know you're probably a good advocate for your people and um for the culture of your team and um just a reminder that people and process work is all intertwined and any decisions that you make about people are going to impact process and any decisions Mm -hmm. that you make about process are going to impact people So always, um, you know, considering both going forward. But um, thank you guys so much for having me. It was fun. I appreciate it. Of course. Well, we're happy to get the the gang back together for an hour or so. Um, And uh, I don't know. I think I speak for Derek when I say I miss our old team. And a lot of that was because of the work that you did. So so thank you for all that. Um, Now I have something to compare every other future team to. So that's maybe uh, bad for them. Great for me. Who knows? Um, Anyway. Thank you for that, Brittany. I think we really appreciate all the work that you did there. And, and I think we, we could obviously tell how much you cared. Yeah, um, I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Derek, My would pleasure. You, would you agree with that? I think I spoke for Derek. You only, <laughs> only allow one man to speak for me, and it's Jeremy. That's right. That's why I do and only about this. Him. Only about this. Nothing, only about nothing that specific else. thing. And uh, Weezer and Star Trek and, and other things as well. All right. So um, so that's it. Thank you, for every, uh, Thank you, everybody, for for listening today. Check us out. Don't forget, RetroTimePodcast.com. Like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You probably already have, which is why you're listening to this episode today. Uh, But check us out, RetroTimePodcast.com slash stickers. Get yourself a sticker, one for you, one for your buddies, uh, some for your buddies, um, unless you want your buddies to fight over one sticker. You might want to get two, unless you have three buddies, then get three. Uh, So do that. Get a sticker. Like, subscribe. Check us out on Twitter, LinkedIn, all that stuff. Tell your friends. Work Slack channel. Until next time, Derek, that's it. Mm. I want to welcome one Miss Britney Spears to the show. I guess Mrs. Britney Spears to the show. Britney Spears, what the fuck am I talking about? You know, it's like... Fact. Banana boat. Sometimes you'll have a pimple and it's okay. Don't pop it. Just don't pop the pimple, Derek. Free Britney. Hashtag free Britney.